Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have had to change our names and take on disguises in order to provide you our unfiltered views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the press. But our bosses would never allow our candid recommendations on the air, so we change our voices and they'll never know. Uh, some disclosures for new listeners. This is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, that's what our lawyers tell us to say. And it's also true. Um, we may have many conflicts of interest. We may own these stocks, which we often do, or we may not. And we may... Uh, or we may know others who do. We may and we have, might like them. We may uh, have a lot of uh, involvements with the management teams. Uh, we actually don't, but we may at some mm-hmm. point. And what else? We may be, finally, the caveat that we may be completely uninformed, and that may be the most important caveat. It's hard to know everything. We are professionals during the week. This is the same good advice we give professionally during the week. But here, it's after hours, and frankly, we may have you know, been drinking. So keep that in mind at all times. Um, check our website, www.thevalueguys.com, where you'll read more about us, and we have also uh, photos of us there, if that is of interest to you. Uh, this week we look. Which really it isn't. Hope, I'm sure. I hope not. Uh, this week we look at the April 25th, 2008 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, and I'm going to be back at the back half of the show in page number order. Uh, although I don't actually know the page numbers right now. Of Raymond James, Acuity Brands, and Myers, which we've talked about before. Goldman Sachs just walked away from a deal. What are you doing over there? Nothing. Goldman walked from a deal. The stock's in half. I think that's very interesting. And then Raymond James is a survivor. So we'll get to that later. But first, mm. with a Can't wait. great deal of ado, let me introduce you to Vern Value, who's uh, got some great ideas that, this that's week. A, that's a, yeah, I a think, great Thank amount. you. I work on it. I work on the intro Ooh, a lot. I'll try to steal myself for right. less than that. Um if I notice, I, I'm going to start with Whirlpool Corporation, a stock that uh, I think this is probably a bit of a contrarian call here with uh, um, news from the consumer sector getting worse daily. Uh, we just had uh, University of Michigan consumer confidence numbers out uh, out uh, today, and not only was it a lousy number, down a ton, it was even worse than um, the already low expectations for worse it. Than- 82. Is that right? 1982. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, I remember that. It wasn't that bad. Fun. Everything was fine, really. Trust but me. I'm I'm going to put a little faith into the idea that we're a couple years into a housing correction that uh, can find a bottom maybe 20% below where we are today, which would be below what people expect today, but would happen sometime in the next 12 to 18 months and remove a uh, you know a cloud over this name. I don't know what their exposure is to uh, the U.S. residential construction market. I mean, Whirlpool, if you don't know, is a leading manufacturer of large home appliances. Um, they don't, though. But they, according to Value Line, um, they think that with uh, weak uh, housing markets and softening economic conditions that the U.S. sales would decline 3 to 5% this year. And so... I'm just doing a little reverse mathematics. If that were all housing and it was 5%, 
then at most residential construction is 20% of yeah, World Pool's isn't revenue. Isn't that a worldwide brand? You know, years ago, I actually, we exactly. owned a big chunk of this where I used to work many years ago. That, uh, they have a big project in India, in Europe. They bought the old Electrolux. One they of the, own Hoover. One or of do, the, no, they don't own Hoover. We, we rarely. They're huge. We only. World Washer, right? We I'm don't sorry. always get segmented information about uh, sales contributions by different parts of oh, okay. a company. But here we have it, but we don't have the critical missing international domestic. They're very breakdown. big internationally that they got from the it, electric. And bigger than deal. they've ever been, I think. Yeah. And that's why, even though uh, there's been a tremendous downsizing and job loss and capacity uh, consolidation in the North American major home appliance market, Whirlpool is the last man standing. Who ended up with Maytag, did they? Whirlpool. March yeah, 2006. That would have been illegal 20 years ago. Absolutely. So uh, they uh, they have some issues. I mean, the U.S. housing market, raw material costs. I mean, you got a lot of sheet steel, I think, and probably uh, copper because they're electrical, and I, who knows what all. But What are uh, the numbers on that one, Vern? They have a lot of debt. Well, they're they estimating a ton of debt. Uh, no, they don't. They don't. Believe it or not. What happened to the Having debt? bought Maytag. They've uh, they've been able to take uh, long-term debt down from a peak of, uh, well, no, it's uh, the same level it was at peak. What's the debt to cap, though? That was Total the debt, $2.1 billion. Yeah. Um, shareholders' equity, uh, 3.9. Value okay. line says 30% of capital is debt. Um, it's better than it was years ago. Um, I think the balance sheet's gotten a lot bigger. Shareholders' equity has gone from... Went from a billion seven in 2005 to 3.3 billion, almost double a year later. So I'm not sure what happened there. I don't remember Whirlpool issuing stock shares outstanding. Yeah, went up maybe by ten in 2006. Issued stock to Maytag. Um, Maytag holders. Yeah, maybe got they stock. did. Maybe they mm, cash and stock. Maybe could be. In any event, um, and uh, so what I like about this is that even with a lot of raw material cost pressures, which I'm sure will turn out to be bigger than Value Line's $350 million number in their report, which would have just been given to them by Whirlpool, um, nevertheless, even with that, Value Line's looking for an improvement in operating margin in 2008. So that tells me that if uh, this number turns out to be 50% larger or 100% larger, that I've got good resistance um, on uh, in terms of operating profitability. They've also been investing heavily in innovation. That means product development expenses and advertising, according to Value Line. Uh, and so 2008 is shaping up to be one of their strongest years in terms of new product launches. So with the stock down a third from its high at nine times earnings, yielding more than 2%, cash flow five times, free cash flow, there is CapEx in this business, still just nine times, this company earns a double-digit return on capital, low teens. Well, 12, all their competitors 13%. have been bought or shut down. They're the last is GE, man standing. Is GE still GE's doing this? GE's talking about exiting Yeah, now, right. So right? there's more profit. Might be a sacrificial lamb to appease shareholders. Maybe they buy the brand that GE. I have, a, so. um, I have a $6 billion equity market cap, so about $8 billion enterprise value. According to Value Line, um, easily more than a billion six of uh, EBITDA, which means that Whirlpool currently valued uh, at most at five times. Um, even if, uh, um, uh, even if, uh, yes, Vern. Uh, I've lost track of what this is supposed to mean. I made these cryptic notes in the margin here. Greater than nine sure. times. Uh, no, fixed charge coverage. That means nine times. Hmm. 
Enterprise value to EBITDA. I think I was thinking about hmm. – I'm not sure. Not important, but – There gives you a little bit of a clue. five times. Why value we rely line on rates, the entertainment side <laughs> right there. Value line rates at three, uh, but they're showing annual total return expected to range between 14 and 27%. I think it is just too cheap to not um, get in front of collecting the benefit of – a bottoming U.S. residential market, the bigger international footprint they have today, the uh, leverage that you've, you're creating with all of this new product going into the market now, which means that current expense levels on an absolute basis can stabilize well, or even Well, these things wear out. And as people in India get money and even Mexico and China, they're going to – one of the first things they want to do is get the machine so washing Whirlpool, their clothes. WHR, check it out. Population growth. Got another old uh, icon of American industry that's in uh, this week's issue of Value Line that I like. Yeah. What's and that's that a right? company called Snap-on. We Symbol talked about S-N-A. this We He's, did? Yeah. I just listened to the old show because my cousin works here. Did you? And you said you knew a guy there. Mm-hmm. And we had quite an interesting debate. I mean, hmm. I would dial up that old show. If you if you pull our XML code into Internet Explorer, it all lays out. You can type in SNA, and you'll see which shows that was on. And it's like the last time it came up. It was it was it was a fun uh, talk. You didn't well, seem to know much about it actually at the time. Maybe maybe no more. Is that more. right? Well, I'm well, yeah, I'm impressed know. by I you know I've looked into it, and uh, the stock's really been going sideways for over a year now. Um, after having anticipated uh, some significant improvement in uh, uh, financial metrics or operating metrics, uh, operating margin in uh, 2006, I'm sorry, 2007, turned out to be almost 14% up from the 8 to 10 range of the three years before. So the stock had a nice move, but it's kind of gone sideways. Recently under $52, around 14 times earnings, you know, a little bit of a discount to the market. Did you Did you buy it after the last show? I remember now we were debating whether you you really liked it, and you got a little a little uh, offended that it didn't seem like you liked it that I didn't I didn't pick that up. That you up. didn't understand that I liked well, it. Well, because you didn't seem to like it, and uh, you said you you well, liked sometimes it. Sometimes I'm a little mellow, and you said you might buy it. A little late so back. I'm just asking, did you end up buying it? That's all. I'm just going to ask I you. I don't right. know if I want to disclose that. Well, we say we disclose it though. Yes, I did buy it. Okay. <laughs> did Are you, you really? satisfied? Yeah. Really now? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's good for people to know because you said you might, and mm-hmm. so it turns out you did. Yeah. Good. That's good. And I, I think it's going to work um, okay. because I think uh, the valuation um, uh, doesn't recognize what the ultimate upside here could be. And even Value Line seems to have some grasp of this because in their out-year projections, they have operating margin at 15.5% versus 13.8 last year, and it's never been – actually, the 13.8 is the highest number on the page in 10 years, 13.6 in 2000. So they're looking for uh, bigger and you know better. So are Lord Abbott, Harris Associates, and Ernest Partners are all shown as – uh, better than 5% holders. I'm not sure if they still are. But one of the things I like about this, and, and by the way, the new management team has restored double-digit return on capital here as well, um, is the uh, there is actually some counter-cyclicality to – now, I, I'm not, I don't want to suggest that they won't uh, feel a recession because that typically puts a crimp in overall employment levels and in discretionary income, and make no mistake, a lot of what they sell – uh, at the individual tool level is actually a discretionary per, uh, purchase. Now, one of the things that's changed in recent years is they've uh, gotten bigger in the electronics world, more expensive products. Now you're t- you bring in a little bit of exposure to uh, store growth or uh, 
uh, repair bay growth or something like that. But on the other hand, you also tend to see uh, uh, vehicle operators stretch the lives of their vehicles and at the margin have to spend a little bit Isn't more Isn't the average car getting older now? And even well, right down- now it is. Has been for the yeah. last couple. And in of a years, downturn you know. like this, people are apt to so our try trucks to right last now. Longer with and their um, you know, construction equipment I think has been weak, and I'm not sure what all, but uh, there's definitely uh, there's definitely an opportunity to um, you know get pick up some extra business in a soft environment. Um, which yeah. I think gives them good resistance on the downside. Um, recently, three and a half billion enterprise value. With uh, value lines EBITDA estimate for 2008, it's under nine times. Um, what I like here is that uh, they have been spending fairly significantly on internal improvement initiatives, uh, expanding their uh, sourcing and infra- supply chain infrastructure, and as value line points out, extending their presence in Asia Pacific and Eastern Europe. Well, as you invest there to create infrastructure to try to capture that growth, you're creating future leverage. So. Um, I like this as an early cycle idea. I like it as a continuing uh, uh, internal improvement story at a reasonable valuation, a little bit of uh, leverage built into the cost structure that gives me confidence that I can get some more uh, improvement and return. Um, you know, it, it, there's, everything has momentum at Snap-on right now except the stock price, so I, you know, I'd be on board here. Um, well, it sounds like you are on board. And, you are um, on board. Last one, uh, last one I'm going to talk about this week. How am I doing on time? Not so well, Vern. Frank, no, I'm doing pretty go good, actually. Are you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Then go ahead. Go ahead. May I? Yes. Okay. Yes, you may. Thank you. We have a lot Third of extra stock. <laughs> Third stock for me this week is a stock that I think I talked about the last time we were up in rotation on this. Uh, what do they call this? The industrial issue or the machinery issue? Uh, you know, like I that. don't know that they name it exactly. But you it's, see, kind of, it's have, got a lot uh, of industrial business. Well, unless, but except for the financial business. Well, it's a small piece compared to if steel, well, e-commerce, and, funeral services. Ooh, Come yeah, on, my friend. I looked at those. It's they diversified. Were, those aren't very cheap. Half of it's diversified. Wa- you know, I looked all through the water. Look, this is a long list water, of stocks here that says is. machinery. That's but it's not the longest list. And they made changes this week. Did you see? The funeral services industry didn't exist before. Is they had all those companies uh, in different places? Did they? Yeah. Remember Matthews? You've talked about before. I like Matthews. That, they that, had them that in the stock's been a company. rocket. You know, they make, they're one of the, they, they have about a giant market share, 70% in Anyway, bronze. I want to talk about KDON, symbol Please KDN. Uh, it, it, here's Value Line's description. They design, manufacture, and sell custom-engineered metal products great. for aerospace. Well, that's a market that's doing great, and there's a lot of uh, new business and product development in the pipeline. How about Boeing 787 they're trying to get launched? Uh, Airbus has got the 380 that's way behind them. They've got a 350 coming with it. They also supply construction, not so good. Uh, defense, a lot of, lot of action going on. We have two hot wars at one time. Uh, electronics, some other stuff, including medical. And they make products like bearings. The bearings have been in short supply ever since they, this economic recovery yes, began. Yes, sure. I know that. Filtration, uh, notoriously non-cyclical, uh, uh, a lot of value added. You know, the Material costs are nothing in that business. It's all value. Rings and seals, okay. Here's more like consumable products, things that are probably not terribly uh, uh, price. I don't have to stop at 14. There was an introduction, you know. But um, okay. And that's why the company earns operating margins have gone from the 20s to around 30% lately. International, 32%. What's the exciting business here? Wind energy. 
this company is a major supplier of bearings that are, go into wind turbines. They're actually building another plant. I think they opened a, uh, a second plant maybe in 2006. They're building a third now. Uh, this is the one place where uh, there appears to be uh, nearly unanimous global political support for this as an alternative energy source. Um, and um, I think it can be a growth driver. Return on capital has moved up into the low teens. I think there's an opportunity for that to go higher. You do have to pay a little over 10 times cash flow right now, but that just means you need to wait a little bit longer for the growth to catch up. Insiders buying in November and as recently as February with the stock having come off of highs from the middle of last year. And while there's 29% debt to cap, there's over almost $300 million of cash on the balance sheet. So don't need to increase leverage to grow the business. Uh, or if you just want to look at it on an enterprise value basis, we're under a billion two with more than 150 million of EBITDA, so less than eight times for a quality industrial growth story that I think uh, has a good opportunity to stand up well in a recession. And at the 13-minute mark, I'm now turning it over to my partner. All right. Well, that Mal was Hughes. a little long-winded. I'm sure the listeners agree. <clears throat> uh, let me just and get I did right it into it. I breathing. Res I respect your without time, without inhaling. Okay. Okay. Uh, I respect your time, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just get right into it, shall we? Page you number 1377. Here, catch. Listen, I have to be somewhere, and your, you know, time-using actions here are not helping my marriage right now. Uh, Acuity Brands, A-Y-I, page 1377. Just turn to that and look along. Uh, what am I attracted to here at Acuity? Well, first off, I see they're nine times cash flow. So at that point, I keep looking. Uh, 525 a share predicted next year. They've got just a buck in CapEx against that. So 425, stock at 46, and that's Monday's price. So I don't actually know what it is today. We had some down days and up days this week, so I don't know for sure. Uh, okay, valuation, okay, what do they do? World's largest lighting fixture manufacturers. Products include a full range of indoor and outdoor lighting for commercial and residential applications. Well, that pretty well covers it, I guess. Nothing about undersea, so I missed that. But they're everywhere in lighting. Is, an, is there an energy sector plan in there? Know. I think they're in everything is what it says, lighting. Uh, I don't know the brands, but if you're that big in lighting, you have a lot of great brands. And so I'm just going to take that as a given. They're putting up, um, you know, low to mid-teens returns on capital. In recent years, it's actually estimated to be 20% this year. That's going to come down during the cycle here. And they don't have a lot of debt, 28% debt to cap. So they're levered a little bit, not too much. And they get their return on equity into the low 20s, which is pretty good for a big lighting company. Uh, they must have some great economies of scale and uh, probably buy big lots of raw materials and turn them into lighting, and they beat everyone on cost structure. One of the things I think is interesting about lighting. Isn't copper a big variable in that business? Well, a lot of lights don't have copper, I just want to say. I think the wire is extra. you got to pay up for the wire. You don't, you don't sell wire. They Not sell a big lighting. deal in the context of the total cost of the product, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say, Vern. And even beyond that. Well, well said, Val. Thanks. Do you want to just get everything you want to say out of the way now so I can continue with a continuous, contiguous story about acuity brands? Thank you. Okay. Uh, one of the things about lighting is it's rare that you just buy a light. You know, you got a big project going on, and you got labor involved. And so by the time you add it all up, the actual cost of the light in your project is very small, and yet lighting has an 
you know, a, a big impact on the look and feel of a space. And so traditionally, it gets pretty good prices relative to its cost. Now, these guys are putting up a 14%, 13% operating margin. I think it could be higher if they wanted to, but I think they're using this margin to keep people out of the business, to rely on their logistics to get them a higher return on capital. That's probably pretty smart. Right now, this thing is at a 23% discount to the average P.E. Uh, what did I say? Ten times free cash flow. So I'm going to look at that as a 10% cash-on-cash return. And then Value Line says they're going to grow cash flow at 13%. Well, I don't know. Maybe. But that probably means some margin improvements because they're not going to grow sales at that rate. And let's even say it's a little bit on that. You're going to be in the low 20s as an expected return. They also have... Uh, 185 million in cash that offsets some of their total debt of 360. So your debt to cap here, net debt to net cap, is really more like 14 or 15 percent. They just cut their dividend. They're still uh, paying you one percent. I think that's smart. Their coverage is four times. They don't want to get in some stock market squeeze where everyone's scared they can't pay their debt. So they're going to cut uh, the dividend a little bit. Uh, their payout ratio right now is about 10%, so that's lower than most dividend-paying companies, but I don't mind if they do that right now. Uh, they've been paying $0.60 cents for eight years. They upped that from 45 They're back to 52 I think that's fine. Uh, directors and management owns 3%. That's $58 million among however many managers they have, uh, so that's a good incentive for everyone. You want a calculator? Well, I don't know how many managers they have. There's oh. no, it doesn't say here how many management teams. It, but if it's 10 guys, that's pretty good dough for each one. If it's 100, that's different. So I don't know. But it's still a nice incentive for people. What's and market cap? It's a, a billion nine. This stock's down from 67 to 46, and it looks like they've got a strong position uh, with good returns, probably a market leader. And uh, now's the time to buy it. Acuity Brands, mm -hmm. AYI. Okay, next up. I don't like it. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I don't think that matters I, whatsoever. Did I say that out loud? you like it. Um, okay, Myers Industries, M-Y-E. Ladies and gentlemen, this is on page 1395. I want to give you that page number as a courtesy, which we don't all do, Just but I do. you show me up, aren't yeah. you? Uh, here's my theme on Myers. Uh, did I have my theme? Did I tell you my theme on acuity? I didn't hear any theme. I think it was they uh, just their e efficient value add to uh, expensive projects. Lighting is uh, worth more than it costs in terms of the look and feel of a space. So that's that's my theme on that value add. On Myers, here's my theme. Goldman Sachs was early, not wrong. Okay, that's my main theme. Why do I say that? Goldman Sachs, last time we talked about this, which could have been six months ago, I don't know. It is, if you dial it up, we did talk about this. Goldman Sachs had agreed to pay a billion one. I mean, we had a discussion about this and how smart Goldman was. I remember this. Yeah. So, you know, are they smart? Are they not smart? They're smart. They're smart. The stock value right now, the market cap's at 425. There's 170 million in debt, so that's 600 million. I don't know what this uh, billion one from Goldman is, but it's probably the enterprise value, not the equity. They like to give the biggest possible number, so they throw in the debt, and that's sensible. So this stock is off 50% from where Goldman Sachs thought it was a good deal a year and a half ago. Go, uh, value Line says cash flow is continuing to go up. It's 255 a share now, estimated in 09, 220 this year. The stock's at 12. 
Uh, they have no CapEx to speak of, 60 cents. So on free cash flow, or at least value line free, before working capital adjustments, which are no big deal, six times. So that's 16% plus value line says they're going to grow earnings at 17%. I'm <laughs> salivating, Burn right now. That's 16% cash on cash plus 17%. Holy cow, that's 33%. Why? Because they can't get financing? Because Goldman Sachs can't get financing? So what? How many private equity guys are going to want a 30% cash-on-cash return? So the other nice thing about this is Mary Myers owns 11%. And I'm just going to say, if your name is on a company, unless you're the grandchild, you're ready to retire, kind of move it on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Steve Myers owns 8.5%. So these Myers probably the people son, though. own, well, you think so? I'm Even guessing. if it is, whatever. The family owns 20 What are the odds both of the what founders married each Myers other or still around? Because that would be interesting. Anyway, these Myers people, I think, have some motivation to sell. They've already agreed to sell to Goldman Sachs, for goodness sake. So this is just a buyout waiting to happen. Their products aren't going away, ladies and gentlemen. Here's what they make. And I don't really understand. I mean, this isn't explain it really well. I don't understand the attraction. Uh, they manufacture polymer products for industrial, agriculture, automotive, commercial, and consumer markets. So they make polymer products they for make plastic all stuff. markets. Right. That's what polymer Their products are. Their principal products include plastic storage containers. Okay. So they could get under a little price Yeah, you know, like a milk crate. Uh, or a storage container. You know, there's a big. there was a lot of overcapacity in this uh, plastic molding uh, business a few years ago. I don't know what it's, you know, how it sits now. Because it's a commodity. Well, it is a commodity. And they're putting up 11% returns, or rather operating margins, and they're just putting up a 10% return on capital. Those are pretty good numbers in that kind of a business. Well, and then they've got a 12% return on equity, just a little bit of leverage, $170 million in debt. And, uh, you know, I think that a 30% return uh, gives you a lot of room here to not grow. Like, if I don't grow for three years and I've got my 90% return... But the call is that it's a buyout waiting to happen. Well, that's... Well, no. I mean, I think smart people already agreed to buy it out, and the family already agreed to sell it. But if that doesn't happen... You know, you're right. I don't know... You've got a 30% return. Now, you don't actually get the cash, but it's accumulating for you as a shareholder. And if you start making phone calls, like my uh, colleague in the office recently has, about particular companies I don't want to go into, not Myers, but, uh, you know, you can have, a, a, you know, an influence here as a shareholder. These people's phone numbers are in the, in the book or on Google now. So Myers, M-Y-E, big return, stock too cheap. I'm a buyer of Myers. Okay, finally, last one. And I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty high on Myers, but this might be even more uh, my favorite than Myers. That's Raymond James, ticker RJF, page 1434. What's my theme on Raymond James? Well, A, they're not Bear Stearns. I just want to say, I brought out the Bear Stearns value line. It may be the last one, so I brought it and printed it out here, have a little ceremony about it. Because uh, we know, have colleagues there, and it's pretty sad. I think, you know, most of them will find a home here at J.P. Morgan. But what I wanted to say was Bear Stearns was levered 33 to 1. You can calculate it. Total assets divided by total equity. If that number's 33, 
Get out. That's what I'm going to say, my advice. Raymond James is eight. Eight times. The other thing about Raymond James, and I just lost my sheet on it, but 57% of the revenue of Raymond James is commission. And that's, really? Yeah. That's, that's a lot of brokers who have a lot of personal relationships built over many years right into the heart of the demographics of the aging of America. They found all the wealth, and they're, they've, really the brokerage industry, successful brokers, are just trusted advisors who aren't picking stocks well, anymore. Yeah, but if you're, do you really want to be headquartered in Florida if you're going after retirees? Well, it doesn't matter where the headquarters is. The fact there's no taxes point, is a but... nice thing. You know, let's get to it. And there's kind of a nice beach there. A little too many Wendy's. But that's the, another the story. The point is it's their home turf, yeah, and they'll hold share. They're in the southeast. Uh, they're competitors that were pure, like uh, Robinson Humphrey and people have been bought out. These guys are run by the management team that used to run Blunt Ellis Lowy in Milwaukee, which was bought by Kemper, turned into a public company in a roll-up, and people made 50 times their money. This is the management team that was involved. So Raymond James, these guys know what they're doing. Uh, they consistently win the best awards for the best research on Wall Street, uh, you know, and that's over a 30-year period. Um, and they're very well diversified. You know, their investment banking uh, revenue, which I can't find the Bear Stearns right now, but that probably was 15 or 20 percent of revenue at Bear Stearns. Here it is right in front of me. Um, okay, not right, 8 percent. But interest income at Bear Stearns was 70%. So that's the interest they were making on all these spreads and such they had on. Raymond James' interest income is 22%. That may just be money they have in the bank for all I know. This is a very well-run company. Uh, they've been putting up low teens returns on capital for the whole page, uh, which is about 10 years. Yeah, and I'm sure 10. before that, Raymond uh, Bear Stearns was putting up uh, 1%, 4%, 3%, you know, you can see this at that level in terms of who knows how to run a good company. Uh, brokers' books are pretty stable, and even during these times, they're going to pick a conservative group of managers to run the money of their trusted clients, and I think it's just a business that's right into the smack dab of the demographics the of the baby boom. Is that a phrase? <laughs> that might date me, actually. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's a noun. You know, they don't have any subprime. Uh, their biggest problem is, you know, investment banking revenues are endangered this year and their uh, fixed income trading because things aren't trading. You know, that's no surprise. Most of their business for the brokers is fee business now. So doing nothing, you still get paid. And that's a big change in the brokerage industry over 20 years where you used to it makes have to do a trade a lot less to get paid. Well, you're also able to give people better advice when the do nothing, you can still get paid for professional advice, mm -hmm. which is what that is. This stock is uh, 11 times earnings. That's net earnings. That's a 9% after-tax cash-on-cash return. And Value Line says they're going to grow earnings at 9%. The reason I think that's low is because the value of good financial advice, I think, will rise. The demographics are rising in the sector, and they will gain share. And finally, there's a chance they get bought out. And what I'd like to do is calculate the number of brokers they have times the value per broker that went out in the A.G. Edwards deal because that's how to find the value of this thing. And I bet that would come out about 35 bucks. The stock's at 22 I don't have enough data here on Value Line to do that calculation. Uh, finally, I just point out that this is unheard of in Value Line in terms of insider decisions. Here's the last four months, four, three, seven, and one going back to November. And most of these things say zero going back 
for the whole as way. long as you so can this get thing it, looks very back, interesting yeah. to me. Raymond James, I think it's a good long term put away. RJF, it's going to be my favorite stock this week for a long term hold. Uh, and you know, Myers, I think, still going to be there when we come well, up. I'm going to go with the leading home appliance manufacturer in the world, Whirlpool. That uh, I can uh, come very close to your uh, 30% return on Myers without having to rely simply on commodity plastic products. And instead, well, and, not yeah. that it, it may be a good idea. Well, I don't mean it that way. Start washing their but own for clothes, the same kind of downside. expected return, I can get something that's a whole lot more value added. And uh, last man standing, great return. So yeah. WHR. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you Bye, next week. Bye, everyone.